Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Best Show Bests, the best of the best show. And you can find out more about The Best Show over at thebestshow.net. It airs live every Tuesday night from 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time. And if you're new to the program, this show, are uh, these are little bite-sized bits and greatest hits type samples of what we do every week. So if you like this, maybe you check out the full show. And if you want to support The Best Show... We have a Patreon set up over at patreon.com slash thebestshow. That is how you support the program. It is listener-sponsored now, and you give what you can, and we appreciate it. And there are prizes and benefits at all different levels of giving. So again, go to patreon.com slash thebestshow and support the show. And now please, without further ado, check out this episode of Best Show Bests. Bob, is Bob Mare here, Mike? He left. What? Yeah, I'll let him. He left. All right. All right. How are you? I'm good. Dudio's here tonight. Thank you, Dudio. I don't know if they make the guaparito locally yet, but I'm looking into it. He's looking. Oh. That might be the most depressing thing I've ever heard. They have the Whopper dogs, though. The Whopper dogs. Oh, they're hot. The Whopper hot dog. Yeah, Whopper hot dogs. Have you had one yet? I have it. I have no. it. Mike. Mike. Yeah. Have you had a Whopper hot dog? No, I haven't. Oh, that is. <laughs> I I strike what I when I said that was the most depressing thing I've ever heard that you were going to look into where the Whopperito was. The fact that Mike forgot he had a Whopper hot dog and then remember, oh yeah, oh yeah, I did. I forgot. Someone brought one into the bar. Bob Mayer, how are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? I'm good. I'll be even a little better if you get up on that A little bit closer. There it is. Look, I do this all day long. You, you live with your fingers and your computer. No, I, I do it all longhand. And, oh, you do? No, and then, of course Then you send it off? <laughs> right. I, I Transcribe no, I just Yeah, I call for the copy boy to come take the copy. Yes, to take it away. And then it's always like you hear about these writers. You hear about like, Aaron Sorkin writes everything out on a Noah pad. It's like, all right. All right. It's, that's, there's a point where that's super affected. And it's just like, try a computer. Just try it. <laughs> it just, won't hurt you. Yeah, just tr- see if it works. We're just asking to give it a shot once. Try a computer and see if you can write on it. Now, the pad. David Milch, he just lays down on some kind of mat and just talks extemporaneously and comes up with this stuff. And he has two people typing it and others recording it in case they miss anything. So So he's got that. And then uh, you have like, uh, I'm waiting to hear about somebody where it's just like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, the... Quentin Tarantino writes his stuff like uh, like the Flintstones. He has a bird <laughs> pecking it into a stone. But you wrote this book, Trouble Boys, the true story of the replacements. And I want to just say, first of all, first of all, this is the cover of the book. That's real. <laughs> That's... Oh wait, the dust jacket's not on it. I was going to say, this is a very om- it's an ominous cover. Everyone, it's pitch black, and it says nothing on it. And then I realized, oh, it's a hardcover book, and I took the dust jacket off. But this book. Yes, sir. I've read rock books my whole life. And I'm telling you, this book is way. This is this is one of the all-time greatest rock books well, I have you. ever read. That's very kind of you to say, even if it's not true. It's totally true. And... It's like it's like it's almost 500 pages. It's so it's so well researched, but it's not academic. 
and you tell the story and you let everybody, whether they sink or swim, it depends on where they were at. You really struck the balance with it, Bob. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I had enough time. I spent about eight years working on it, so uh, I figured if I was going to spend that long, I might as well try and get it right, get that balance right. Get the balance right, another Depeche Mode song. Yes. That uh, we mentioned, uh, which one did uh, Neil Haggerty mention earlier? A New Life? Yeah. Now love, uh, not loving itself. Get the balance right. What about that as the next book, Depeche Mode? What do you think? Well, it's funny you say that. We have run into a couple of their tour managers or people mm-hmm. who work with them. They're they're all sort of English people who have mm-hmm. uh, seem like they're from a Guy Ritchie film for the most part. For some reason, they're sort of Cockney gangster types. Yeah. So that that would be interesting as a uh, as, as a starting you, point. Yes, as you get the real story from Andy Fletcher. <laughs> So, anyway, we're not talking about Depeche Mode. Now we're talking about the replacements. Can I say, I noticed you had a, outside here in your palatial studios, I noticed you had a photo, autograph picture of John Fogarty. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the time I interviewed John Fogarty. I mm-hmm. met him at a home that he owned. It wasn't the home he resided in, but it was a home. Okay. And I showed up. And you know John Fogarty has his own branded uh, Pendleton shirts that he sort of okay. sells at shows. And I showed up, and the publicist who met me there was wearing one of his shirts. Mm-hmm. And then John Fogarty's brother came in wearing one of his shirts. Mm-hmm. And John Fogarty came in wearing one of his shirts. So they all were wearing his Pendleton branded shirts. Okay. And it reminded me of the situation you have now with Mike and his ma- masses shirts. Everybody yeah. has one on. Oh, <laughs> look. This is going to be the lowest point. This guy. First of all. Um, he now he's whatever he did to get you to drop the masses shirts in this. Mike, you did it! Congratulations, Mike! You did it. You got Bob to mention he's here to talk about his book. You got him plugging your dumb shirts again. Yeah, this guy worked eight years on a book. He finally gets to tell the world about it, but you're out there browbeating him into mentioning your T-shirt. Let him talk about Trouble Boys, the true story of the replacements. Now, this book. You know what's amazing about this book to me, Bob Mayer? Yes. Is one of the things that was amazing about it is it's like the, it's like you captured the sense of, like the, 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 the it's like a story of class to me hmm. in so many ways where it's like, these dudes are like, they're not supposed to be anything. Right. They're just like born to just, like they say, to like push a broom or to to push a mop. And it's just like the idea that you could get four guys who have like a, a larger calling in some one way or another. And that these four guys manage to just unite mm. When people aren't looking for for guys like that to do that, sure. like like that's not what they're they're there to go get job. They didn't finish high school, right? It's, right. Yeah, Westerberg's joke was there wasn't a high school diploma or a driver's license between the four of them, which is you know he wasn't exaggerating. It's mm-hmm. true. So if you're a band and that's your uh, starting point, it's it's hard just to get to gigs, you know. To, yeah. <laughs> but the but the idea of being able to do something that's so. So so honest and 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 pure and beautiful as the replacements did through their through their run when you're still feeling the pull of the of where what you came from and what your 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 parents came from and what their parents came from yeah it's like it's a very it's really insane to think that it would even happen in a way yeah and it it is the funny thing it's by all rights, they shouldn't have gotten to 1981, much less, you know, 12 albums and uh, or eight albums and 12 years later. And here we are 30 years later and they've, you know, they, on the reunion tour, they're back in arenas and stadiums and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the, the first part of the book is called Jail, Death or Janitor, which is what Westerberg's answer was when he was asked, you know, what, what your life would have been if this band hadn't come along and if it hadn't mm-hmm. been this exact you know, grouping of four people equally desperate and, and hoping to kind of transcend their their limitations. And, uh, yeah, jail, death, or janitor. And for him, mm-hmm. you know, he was a janitor. So janitor in that sequence comes after jail and death. But Yeah. And, but, but there's, but it, it, even no matter how much they succeed. Right. They still can't shake 
the sense that none of this is going to work out. Yeah, and you know, part of that was this: the, that's the psychology, and that's the way they were thinking the whole time. And the way that came out, the, it was the thing of fear. It was fear of failure, but also fear of success. And that was the sort of guiding principle of everything they did. All the outrageous things with record companies and producers, and even with their own fans. And so, yeah, it's, it becomes this story of people who have are saddled with these great expectations and are in this industry and show business, and they're totally ill-equipped emotionally and psychologically to succeed. Yet everybody's trying to push them towards this kind of, you know, conventional success, and they're bucking that the whole time. And so that creates a pretty amazing tension that, in their case, carried on for a decade plus. But they're also they're doing that that tug that push me pull me thing right. where. They'll, 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 they'll lash out against what somebody else is telling them to do. They'll buck the the status quo with a thing, and then they'll just be like, "Why aren't we as big as REM?" <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and th- that was the interesting thing in in researching the book, and and I did it with really with the cooperation of Paul Westerberg and Tommy Stinson and most of the key principles is like finding out particularly for the band, how competitive they were, mm-hmm. you know, that's not something you'd normally associate or commonly associate with the replacements, but they were super competitive early on with bands in Minneapolis, like Husker Du or the suburbs. And later on, REM became kind of their, uh, their, their rivals or their perceived rivals, even though they were, you know, friendly on the, on the surface. But yeah, it's a weird thing of, of, Go away, but love me, you know, mm-hmm. that push and pull. And, and yeah, I mean, I think a lot of bands have that to an extent, but these guys had it at, at such a high level and it was so deep in their DNA that mm-hmm. it became, that kind of became the story. You know, it was more almost their, their career was less about the music or commercial decisions. It was just like trying to get them to, um, not just cooperate, but sort of be part of their own career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, we got Bob Mare here. He wrote Trouble Boys, The True Story of the Replacements, which is a really great book that came out. Of how When did this come out? A month and a half ago? Uh, March, mo- March, 1st of March. Uh, so it's okay, been out about so three months. Three months then. <laughs> month and a half. Six Rounding. weeks, 12 weeks. I don't know. Look, I got it in the mail. I didn't stare at that. I wasn't unpacking boxes at Barnes and Noble <laughs> and saw it's here now. And, uh, and people seem to really be responding to the book. Yeah. I think uh, I was lucky that they did the reunion for a couple of years and raised their profile and then sort of abruptly disappeared. And so the book was kind of waiting for the fan base and all the people who were curious about them. And, uh, that was not entirely planned on my part, mm-hmm. but it worked out. So, so this eight year thing, one day you're just like, I know what I'll do <laughs> because you kn- must have known that's like, that's the, it's, it's one of the most, the bar is so high or low. What is the bar? It's, if you're doing limbo, it's low. Low, yeah. And if but it's high something. if you're doing, a, if you're pole vaulting. Yes. Let's just say you're pole vaulting. The bar is so high on making this happen. Like w- w- you just know, cause you, it's, it's like, it's, it's a band that, the the cult is so strong and yeah and if you get that if you get if that book is wrong you're going to you're going to hear it yeah every replacements fan and diehard and nerd and whatever you want to say is like they do have a very intense and intensely devoted following and it's not really sort of I guess there are some, but most replacements fans don't fall into the casual category they're they're mm-hmm. very uh as I say hardcore and, you know, also I was given a, the opportunity because the band was participating. So it's like sort of mm-hmm. they were putting a lot of faith in me. And I think mostly after, you know, I thought it would take a couple years. But after the third year and the fourth year and the fifth year and the sixth year and it hadn't quite resolved itself or gotten finished, I think even they were having their doubts. Their, mm-hmm. their A&R guy, Michael Hill, who's a Jersey native, uh, was, was telling me. I asked him. We both the other night we did an event at, in Hoboken and – I asked him, I said, did you, were you concerned that this might not actually, you know, that I might screw it up? What did you really mm-hmm. think? He's like, I just didn't think it was ever coming out. I started yeah. to wonder if you were actually some sort of weird grifter who was just, uh-huh. <laughs> just collecting. <laughs> and then that somebody would have ended up being like, I'm going to write a replacement book. They'd be like, go, uh, <laughs> this guy did a whole lot of work on it. Just go get his, uh, his he started, he started the ball. Tell him we told 
<laughs> tell him that we told him to give you all the stuff he worked on and all the transcriptions of the interviews for the last nine years. Yeah. So what what would be the low point in terms in the this thing of just of that because that is such eight years is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. To see a thing through... Well, there's always the point, I, this is being my first book as well, there's always a point where you wonder like, okay, you know, you're doing the research and you can do the interviews and read up and all that stuff. There's a point where you sort of have to set pen to paper mm-hmm. uh, or if you're Aaron Sorkin, you know, quill to scroll. Or sure, whatever. yes. Scroll. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I mean, there was a point where it's like you can sort of almost avoid doing the actual writing, mm-hmm. uh, which you may know something about, by just distracting yourself oh. with everything on earth, and yes. including the research and the sort of what you're perceiving as prep work. But, you know, at some point you have to start doing it. And I yeah. actually started uh, with the chapter it, kind of in the middle of the book. I thought, well, if I can write this piece of their history, which was when they tried to make uh, a record up in Bearsville that mm-hmm. sort of turned into a – a shining type nightmare in the woods. So I thought mm-hmm. if I can write that, then I can do it. And so that was sort of the litmus test and the challenge. And there was a couple points just getting through that that I thought if I can get through this, I can write it. But there was moments where I thought, well, maybe I won't. But mm-hmm. once I did, then it was sort of uh, all downhill or up. Yeah. Or <laughs> See again, <laughs> bars high, bars low, right. downhill, uphill. <laughs> Guys, we got to lock these metaphors down and stick to one. Tighten them up. Yeah, let's tighten up the metaphors. So the band was involved. You spent a lot of time talking to uh, to Paul Westerberg and Tommy Stinson. Chris Mars was less... Less forthcoming. I made efforts with everybody, but he was the only one who really sort of sat it out. But I had interviewed him a bit uh, before I actually started the project mm-hmm. in earnest. Doing a, uh, I did a long story for Spin uh, mm-hmm. back in 2008. But yeah, and it was, you know, with with Bob Simpson having passed away in 95, I didn't have access to him. So you still have to do the work and kind of build the characters and make them three-dimensional and flesh out their stories, even mm-hmm. if they're not, you don't have the same kind of access as I did to Paul and Tommy. But, you know, dealing with Paul and Tommy was sort of an adventure in itself, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going up to see them and, and dealing with all that, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, it, somebody was asking me outside, like, what, uh, you know, what was that experience like? And it was good, but I also found I had these weird experiences because I interviewed a couple hundred people, including like, you know, at one point I was interviewing the guy who sold merch for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's a really good guy who's uh, Jim Jim Sullivan, Jim, Jimmy Velvet, as he's known, and he's John Cafferty's cousin of Beaver Brown Band fame. But um, he works with Morton Anderson, the kicker, the NFL kicker who was like okay. Swedish Hall of Fame. So at one point I was interviewing him and we went out with Morton Anderson. So I'm like in a suburban Atlanta, Georgia, trying to explain to the Swedish NFL kicker what the replacements are. You know? uh-huh. So it's like yeah. there's, it, it took me a lot of places you wouldn't normally expect in a rock and roll book. And when you finally say, I think we're, we're near the end, and then you, you have this book, which is, which is such a – such a, a a roller coaster type book because there's a point when you're when you're reading this and it's just like you just want to wring their necks <laughs> and you just want to go like stop drinking <laughs> you just want to go it might go easier if you guys aren't drunk this morning <laughs> like you just want to scream at them like why is this recording session not working? You're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or on some sort of horse tranquilizer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exa- yeah. It, uh, it is amazing also how when you think of 
you think of bands when they go into the studio and it's like Fleetwood Mac and the, like these bands that just like we'll figure it out in the studio right. and like you you grow up and it's like this you you're into a certain kind of music where that seems like it's the absolute opposite of how your favorite bands operate right. where it's just like where you'd be like like no the bands I like go in and three days later they have an album right. but it isn't it amazing how how it just happens and suddenly a band is as as kind of it's kind of like rooted and raw as these guys it's like you turn around and like eight years later it's just like they're like the sessions in the one place didn't work right. we'll pick it back up and do it somewhere else right. next month right it's, it's like they made stink in in one afternoon in yeah. 1982 and then like seven years later they're going to bearsville and capital and cherokee and paisley park to make one record it's like yeah i think part of that some of that was the era by the time you get to the major labels there was especially back then when budgets were big and there was almost expectation if you didn't spend half a million dollars what kind of record are you giving us if it you know sure so it's that thing yeah it's that thing where it just clearly is expected to be and just the idea of the budget for that video how much was the budget for the uh bastards and young video well that was yeah, I, I can't. Like, even that one was like, because, right. like, look, if that budget was more than four hundred fifty dollars, <laughs> it's ex, it's ex, extra, extraneous. I, I think that I don't remember if I included in the book, but the head of the uh, one of the their product manager or one of the executives of the label came and it's like, there's not nothing going on in the video. It's just shooting a speaker, but they said like in between shots they were sort of like art directing the speaker. It was like they were. <laughs> <it> was like, <laughs> yeah, let me tell them something about directing videos. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it really you finish the book, and then at some point, this very this very intense up and down story you have to say uh, uh yeah paul westerberg <laughs> i'd like to uh send you a copy of the book <laughs> like what was that like funny you should ask tom um mm-hmm. so the whole time I, I was writing the book typically he at least gives the impression he doesn't read his press and mm-hmm. didn't want to read the finished book before it came out okay uh not surprisingly, at the last minute, he changed his mind and wanted to see a, a galley, which mm-hmm. had, I had had printed just before we were going yeah. into the production on the actual book. So, and now suddenly you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like Luca Costello yeah. as I wait. Like, yeah. like, hey, big a galley. He wants the galley. I guess. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, I'll mm-hmm. send you a galley, uh, and I FedExed it to make sure he got it, and. Mm-hmm. and course i had the tracking number to make sure he yeah. was going to get it uh-huh. and i see i checked the delivery on a saturday morning <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, it's like okay he's got the book he signed yeah. for it yeah. and right. you just uh, how was that week yeah that weekend was terrific uh, <laughs> yeah, was like, uh and it got even better that night and I, I didn't hear from him yeah i figured well he's going to take uh-huh. a few days to read yeah, it yeah, or whatever yeah. about uh three o'clock that morning mm-hmm. my phone starts ringing mm-hmm. uh, cell phone starts ringing give Unknown. me the ringer first let's get some context here what ringer do you have bob Mayer? is it let me see if i can guess what <laughs> ringer you have does it go like uh tony soprano no no i did have that at one point does it go is it the xylophone yes it was yeah so three in the morning Arguably the worst cell phone sound of all the cell phones available. The ringer, the xylophone goes off. You look and what well, do you have him entered in as? I, well, My the, hero? The best, <laughs> the best part is I've, so I've sent the thing. I don't expect to hear from him. I'm not going to let it ruin my weekend. It's a beautiful, it's right before Christmas actually. Okay, yeah. Oh, what a great. Yeah. I decide I'm going to go to the gym. I go play basketball, have a nice lunch. Mm-hmm. Probably went to the movies. I was when you're me. playing basketball. Yes. Not to take it off target. Sure. Where Where do you? Uh, where, 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 what kind of player are you I, like? I play. Uh, well, Zach Randolph. No, I'm much more like uh, Steve Novak. I would say Steve Novak. So you 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 are hurt. I'm hurt, and I shoot three pointers <laughs> yeah. alternately, basically. So you're on the IR. You show up at the playground. Yeah. On the injured list. <laughs> um. 
So now you get, now the phone rings. It's three in the morning. Three in the morning, and I do have his number, but his number generally comes up unknown. But it's a very specific type of unknown number. So basically, mm-hmm. it's like its own form of caller ID. Mm-hmm. So I know who it is, and I remember hearing the phone ring, turning over in bed, mm-hmm. looking at the phone, sort of sighing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in a fall. I was deep asleep, but instantly that, that sound, you know, and when I realized it wasn't my, you know, somebody, a family member calling mm-hmm. with an emergency and I yeah. realized it was unknown, mm-hmm. uh, probably the terror was even greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I turned to my then fiance about to be my wife and I just said, well, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he left a voicemail. Okay. Um, and it, as you imagine, the guy having read a 500-page book about his life in such detail, most of it occurring in his 20s mm-hmm. was probably a bit of a mind warp for him mm-hmm. and I think uh, he was unsettled by the experience let's say initially okay. and so his voicemail was reflective of that mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so suffice to say I didn't get back to bed mm-hmm. uh, but I let it go to voicemail yeah. I, I figured I'll, I'll call him in the morning yeah yeah uh-huh. <laughs> okay um, but uh, yeah sleep was uh, sleep was unsettled that evening Tom yeah but then <laughs> When you finally get on the horn with him. Yes, I get on the horn with him. So I called and left a proper message in the morning. He was screened his calls. He didn't answer. I said, hey, you know, I heard you got, got your voicemail. Uh, and uh, and I said, call me back. Happy to, t- happy to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually I went back and played basketball the second day trying to okay. sort of burn some of this yeah, yeah. A- adrenaline that yeah. had been coursing yeah. through my body for the last yeah. 10 hours. Yeah. You're <laughs> trying to burn off. The unburnable at this point, <laughs> and uh, and he, ca- he, I saw the phone ring. I had uh-huh. kept it because I figured yeah. he was going to call back. And so that standing in my shorts and high tops outside, mm-hmm. I had a, about a two-hour conversation with him, where he expressed, uh, I wouldn't say displeasure, but discomfort with some of the things I we talked about. Mm-hmm. And our arrangement always from the beginning was that it was, even though they were participating, it was technically unauthorized. It was my book book to write. They sure. didn't have editorial control. But you know, mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, you worry what somebody's response is going uh-huh. to be in that yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we went over it a couple hours. There were some tough moments in there. But ultimately, he was like, well, I got to go make dinner. I got to go have dinner. So mm-hmm. and he, that was it. You know, he was and he expressed some very positive things about the book. And I just think, it, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want anybody bringing a kind of that sort of forensic uh, detail to my life, uh, particularly if my life in my 20s. No. <laughs> But, I don't uh, want any. No, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. What's that? Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm sweeping up. You're sweeping up? Yeah, I'm, I'm the maintenance guy here. Uh-huh. With, uh, current tower. I don't... I'll let you guys go. No, no, no. No, wait. Is this a radio show? What's going on here? Yes, this is a radio show. Oh. Yeah. What are you talking about? The Replacements. This is Bob Mayer. He wrote a replacement book. Oh, hey. Called Trouble Boys. Oh. Ask him why uh, asking me lies wasn't the follow up to I'll be you. What? What's hey, that? Guys. Wait, wait, wait. Come back. Hey. What's it? Why, why don't you? Why don't oh, you no, come back? No, 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 no. Come no, on back. I, I was curious. I, I was what was that why, question? Oh, I was wondering why asking me lies wasn't the follow up to I'll be you. I know Aiken to be was the was the next video, and I think back to back went to radio, but uh, none of them really caught fire. Why, I think asking me lies would have done great. Why don't you have See a seat? Guys. Have a seat, buddy. Steve. You said Steve. Yeah. Have a seat. This is. You guys are in the middle of doing something. No, no, sit I'm, down. Sit I, down. I, no, no, no. Wait. Sit no. down. Wait. How did you? That's interesting. That you, random maintenance man here, would be aware that in fact. No, you were saying you thought asking me. He's talking about the replacements' third major label album, "Don't Tell a Soul," mm-hmm. the first single, which was "I'll Be You." Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was asking why "Asking Me Lies" wasn't the follow-up mm-hmm. to that. Right. Which, Seems logical to me. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty deep though. Yeah, Steve, can you get on that mic? Oh a yeah, little yeah, more? yeah, yeah. How's that? So you have a book? Yeah, it's a it's a f- about a five hundred page book of the replacements biography. Of the replacements called Trouble Boys. It's it's done really well. I'm surprised you have it. Down trouble Boys. Yeah. So you, you you talk to all kinds of people. Yeah, I spent about eight years uh, doing interviews, researching the book. I had access to the band. I did, uh, got almost three hundred interviews. Oh my god! Yeah, talked to Paul Stark. Yes, I talked to Paul Stark, the co-owner of Twin Tone Records, many times. Yeah. Right. How about uh, uh, Tom Byrne? You're saying you haven't read my book, but you're aware of who Tom Byrne is? Oh yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, Tom Byrne was the original or one of the original lead singers in the band that became the Replacements. Um, but yeah, dog I don't, breath. Yeah, dog breath. Yeah. But, but uh, before that, he was, he was an oat with uh, with Paul. Yeah. How you're saying you really haven't read my book and you're aware of all this stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he, that you talked to Bugs. Bugs. Yeah. Who's Who's Bugs? Tom Petty's guitar tech. Oh, oh, Bugs Wydell. Yeah, I did actually talk to him, kind of towards the end of the. Pro- yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm okay. Scott McCoy. Sure, of the Young Fresh Fellows. Of course, I talked to Scott McCoy. Sure, many stages. A lot of drunken nights, I guess. Uh, what about Denny Carlson? Denny Carlson. Denny Carlson. Oh, yeah. Well, so Thomas was in the early mm-hmm. part of the book. Uh, there was a guy who was passing by the replacements rehearsal who they never met, didn't know, was just heard the band playing, and and he told them, suggested that they give their demo tape to uh, Peter Jesperson at Twin Tone, who eventually signed them and became their manager. I didn't actually know his last name was Denny. Neither did the band. How, how did you uh, – Carlson, we only had the first name. How did you know his last name was Denny Carlson? Oh, well, Denny ended up here in Newbridge. Yeah, he, he ended up uh, managing Scums, which, of course, was the Quint City's uh, only punk rock clothing store. Huh, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. You talked to uh, Mike Anderson. I'm sorry, Detective Mike Anderson. Detective Mike Anderson. I'm. I interviewed a lot of people, but that de- name doesn't ring a bell. Oh, he's the officer. Uh, you know, at, at at the top of of the Stink EP before kids will uh, kids won't follow. Oh sh. You know, he he says, yeah. uh, everybody grab yourself and go, and no one goes to jail. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know the officer had it. I mean, I I researched this for almost a decade, but I didn't. Uh, I, I wish I guess I'd talked to you oh. beforehand. What about Jeff Sorensen? Who who is Jeff Sor? Are these Jeff Sorensen? Uh, that is the guy who was. I didn't talk to him, but I believe that's who was the hand model on the cover of "Please to Meet Me," shaking hands with Paul Westerberg. You know, he had the he was mm-hmm. representing the record. How do you? Uh, you didn't talk to him though. No, no, I didn't talk to. Him. Hmm. So these are. Hmm. But the so, book's good. <laughs> well, I think what, I think the book's great. That, yeah, okay. That's what well. people say. Have been saying it's got a lot of nice reviews. And I mean, stuff. what would you hope that the other hand model from the cover of "Please to Meet Me" would say in an interview about getting his hand photographed? I don't know. I just thought he'd, he'd have have some some good insight into you know the like the uh, the dimensions of of, this, of Paul's sleeve rip. You know, mm-hmm. did that play into anything? You know, just. Questions anybody would ask, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, well you know, it's it's uh, as comprehensive as I could make it, I guess. It's a very well-researched huh. book. Huh. Did you talk to anybody here in Newbridge about it? No. You know, I mean, I, I, I talked to a lot of folks, a lot of cities, a lot of clubs or replacements obviously huh. were played. But uh, Newbridge didn't come up in my research. And, and I did have access to... A lot of people, a lot of uh, road documents, but I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't explore all of them. I, well, let's say that I, I asked because that they played here all the time. I mean, I, I knew they came through through Jersey a lot, but I, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, yeah, they used to play this place called Los Amigos. Well, you know, Los Amigos is still a functioning Mexican restaurant, but sure. they, they used to have a stage in the back, mm-hmm. and they played uh, all the time. They they played a lot of cool shows there. A lot of bands played there: Husker Du, uh, Let's Active, Mother Thirteen. Mm-hmm. Rumpled Stiltskiln, uh, Tom Patty and the Heartbreakers. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? No, Tom Patty and the Heartbreakers. So Tom, comma. Patty. Patty. And the Heartbreakers. Uh huh. Yeah. Was that. For some reason, I'm, I'm just picturing a band. If they're going to call themselves that, were there two, were, was there anybody else up there than, other than Tom and Patty? No. So. Sometimes they'd have a dog. Uh huh. Yeah. So he would be called. The Heartbreakers. The heart, so yeah. a dog was known as... Well, I know of a guy who had a dog named Rollins Band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a... I always thought that was a cool name for a, for a pet. It is. Yeah. 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 Rollins Band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tom, comma, Patty, Patty. Yeah. And the Heartbreakers, which yeah. is a dog. Yeah. They played at Los Amigos. They did. They were like an early scum rock band. Okay. Yeah. Do you know how Kurt Weill plays scum rock? I don't know if he plays scum rock so much as... No, he plays scuzz rock. You're right. Scu- okay. I didn't know... What's the difference between scum and scuzz rock? Scuzz is a little more cigarette smoked. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so Kurt plays scuzz. I didn't know he, he yeah. can't call what he does scuzz oh, yeah. rock. Yeah, yeah. But look, I, I'm 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 getting far off topic here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, there's that that I'm sure this is in your book. The the uh, the day that the replacements have to leave Tommy Stinson behind in New York. Sure, that uh, that was in '83. Uh, they uh, I guess uh, Tommy was they got they got separated at some point. And this is before call waiting and cell phones and. Uh, and so they had a gig in Boston, and they couldn't get a hold of Tommy, and so they just they, they just left him and played the gig in Boston, and 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 then came back and picked him up. Mm-hmm. What's what's rarely reported about that story is that they actually played Newbridge on the way back before picking up Tommy. Huh. Okay, hmm. and I played bass. You played bass. I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because he was because Tommy got left behind. Exactly. Yeah. You played bass. They needed some money, you know, mm-hmm. some to to keep the tour going. So they stopped at uh, Los Amigos and played a pickup show, and I, I I sat in on bass, and they loved me. Really? Oh yeah, they said I was the best ever, better than Tommy, and they said I'd actually be in the band if I wasn't four foot eight and al- albino. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank well, you guys for not mentioning that. Well, when, when I know. came in, no, I didn't even notice. I'm just. I was just looking at your hat. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What's it say on that? Well, it, it's a sombrero. Yeah, but yeah. it's got a little, like an iron-on on it. It, it does, It looks yeah. like it says, keep on, tr- oh, that's not trucking. I can't say what that no, says. No. It's- but, uh, you can say what's above it, though. Ariba, Ariba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Undulate. And, and keep on bleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Which I do. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So is that like one of your? Is that like a words to live by for it is. you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 It uh, it served me well when I was in the hut. The hut. Yeah. Jail. Yeah. You were you were in jail. Yeah. We don't need to get into it. No, no, no. I would I I I would find that interesting. Well. I was selling black market, black market CDs at the Newbridge swap meet, and Officer Harrop's nailed my ass. Black market? Yeah. What do you mean by black market, black market? Well, you know what what bootlegs are, right? Yes. Well, I was selling bootleg copies of the Weather Report album, Black Market. Weather Report, that kind of jazz Joe Zawinol. Uh-huh. You know Joe, Joe Zawinol? I don't know him personally, but uh, I'm aware of his body of work. You know... He wears a beanie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would that be a book? Maybe your next book. If you're trying to think. You're right there? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beanie Boys, the Joe Zawinol story. my wallet. Uh-huh. I have a lead wallet. That was a very heavy wallet. It's made of lead, but I've got a lot of money in it, too. Mm-hmm. So you, you go around with a lot of money. I do, yeah. I'm the Gene Simmons of, of uh, Night Sweepers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A weather report? To follow this up? Yeah. Weather I, report? uh Biography. Spend the next eight years working on that. Yeah, I, I don't know that my passion for that sort of fusion jazz runs quite that deep to commit to it. But uh, you know, you're you're piquing my interest. We'll do one on Return to Forever then. Oh well, now that sure, that's a possibility. Okay. Yeah. So, I got caught, right? Mm-hmm. And Judge Davies sentenced me to two months. Okay. But when I heard the whooshing, followed by the dull thud under his robe. Uh huh. You know, because for hmm. I, I I asked him if his pant pump was out of oil, and then he mm-hmm. sentenced me to ten years cruel labor. Cruel labor, yeah, okay, yeah. That's, That's the same as hard labor, but they make you break the rocks with a pool noodle. You know those pool pool noodles. Yeah, they, they, those are the things that that people they're like floaties, yeah. kind of like people can float on in a pool, yeah. yeah. So you, how how many rocks did you break with that pool noodle? Like one, in ten years. In ten yeah, years, yeah. You know, that, that I thought you were going to say zero. Well, see, I did. I surprised mm-hmm. you. I did all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a lot of cool things in the in the in the, when I was in jail. Mm-hmm. Like what? What other things? Well, um, I don't know if I can say this on the air, but uh, you know how prison prison guys give each other tattoos. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have a tattoo. Okay, um, it's on my wimple, Ugh. and and no, and it's it says Gary. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! So this is this replacements associate. Well, my friends call me replacement Steve. Yeah, oh. sometimes your friends call you replacement. They do. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 
So I don't even want to know if that's associated with the replacement song. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, we're not going to talk about. Well, I haven't that. done it yet, but if you know, if if it comes to it, I'll point to it and say, "Look what Gary's got." Stop it. What? <laughs> Come on, Steve. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's that is a song reference, Tom. Yes. Yeah. Replacement song. Reference. Yes, to one of their Kiss songs. Well, yeah, it's it's yeah, one of their uh, one of their gutter rock songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, one of their throwaways. Yeah. They always. Had a song like "Dose of Thunder" or yeah. right? Maybe you could answer me this. Shh, I'll why try. Did, why did they? They there's several instances of them. The, the second song on 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 couple records were mm-hmm. were not weak, but sort of. Well, they build. I think it was probably some building up. To I'll the buy. Third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back and to back. Yes. What was the second song on the All Shut Down? Oh, you stumped me. Replacement Steve. What's IMDB me. this? Well, IMDB is not the place. That, it was a it was an album, not a movie. Sure it was. I'm pro- I'm just having Wait, wait, what do you mean? All the records were movies. All the replacements album Yeah. No, they were albums. Oh. That's why they were all their records were records. No, but they're they're on those discs. No, those are not DVDs. Yeah, they're not oh, DVDs. Oh, no wonder they wouldn't play in my DVD player. Yeah, that might have something to do with oh. why they didn't. So you thought Well, now I were... feel bad because I caused such a scene every time I bought one. Uh-huh. I, I, I returned them. You thought they were just movies that, for some reason, you bought a bum copy of the yes. movie. I did, yes. Yeah, I thought, man, I got some terrible luck. And what would you think a replacement movie would be? Like the movie for Please to Meet Me. What would that be? Okay, well, uh, all right. Exterior. Hand modeling school. Jeff Sorensen. He's he's teaching a, a class on, on, on hand modeling. And he, he looks out in the crowd of, of students and he says, You, the, the young gutter snipe looking guy, come on up here. That's Paul Westerberg. Mm-hmm. And he says, Oh, you poor thing. Your, your sleeve is torn. Let me shake your hand. And then, you know, and then they, they take the picture. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and then this guy, Alex Chilton, comes, comes into frame. Okay. And then, uh, and then they talk a little bit. And then, um, and then one of them says, I, I don't know. And then they just start talking about what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And, so and then stupid. later on, one of them goes, man, I got some nightclub jitters, baby. Replacement Steve. And I then, guess. and then, and then um, the next scene it's a dream sequence, and this yeah. one guy, he's on a ledge of a yeah. building. Yeah, I wish, think I wish I was on And he can't come out, and then he, and then he wakes up and he goes, oh, never mind. And oh, then, and then the next scene is, is in a, is in a, is in a pool hall. Okay. And they're getting really muddy, and they're throwing mud at each other, uh-huh. and then they, they make up, and they're drinking wine. Ugh. And then, um, and then, um, there's this, this thing in the air that they're walking through and yeah. it's a skyway, skyway and then yeah. they can't hardly wait to, to go back to the to um mm-hmm. uh, this other place okay yeah and that's the end of the movie that's the end of the movie end that's credits the dumbest thing i've ever heard it's not quite factual i should say i think jeff Sorensen, the hand model was just the brother of the photographer who took the cover so um i don't know if you're basing on that that on you know actual factual things but i think it's a stretch i don't know look why are you guys why are you guys grilling me I'm just a I'm just a, a, a lowly maintenance man sweeping. I didn't do anything to you guys. No, you didn't say we did anything. I'm sorry. No, I I, I Why, got, yeah. I'm just I I got temper problems. But I'll tell you, man, my life is back on track. Really? Thanks to my uh, fiance. Okay. Sydney Leathers. Wait, who's your fiance? Sydney Leathers. Sydney. Oh, you may have heard of her. She's in a movie. She's a movie star. Wait. I watched this movie the other day, Wiener. Yeah, yeah. She's the star of it. No. It's a documentary. It's not exactly the... Co- she's the she's the woman who was sexting with Anthony Wiener and then and then came forward and and publicized their 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 uh their 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 sects and then and then uh, did the uh then she did like a Porn movie, I think, based on the 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 exchanges with Anthony Weiner, and then confronted him at his election concession speech. She was going to try, she was going to try to confront him at 
And then I remember her running through a McDonald's trying to chase down Anthony Weiner, who was running from her. Ooh. That's your... Ooh. Well, she didn't mention any of that. I haven't seen the movie. She didn't mention any of that. She just said that she was an, a star of this movie called Weiner that was just opening. Mm -hmm. So, ooh, we got to work through some stuff, I guess, before our wedding. Uh-huh. We yeah. were hoping you were going to officiate the wedding. You were hoping I would officiate your wedding. Yeah. Well, why? Well, okay. you, you know, you're a big deal mm -hmm. here, and... Uh, we love those impressions you do. Yeah, and, well, okay. and we were hoping, like, maybe you could do the ceremony as, I don't know, like, um, like Joe Namath or something. What would that be like if you were to officiate our wedding as Joe Namath? Well, now you're, you piqued by I got to see. What would that be like? I think it would go, if I, what, you're, you're Steve. Right, yeah. And Sydney. Sydney, yeah. Okay. I think if I was officiating your wedding as Joe Namath, it would probably go a little something like, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for the blessed union of replacement Steve and his beautiful, soon-to-be spouse, Sidney Leathers. And they are to be bonded in holy matrimony. That's what Joe Namath would sound like marrying you guys. Uh, see, I, I think this is going to be great. I'm very mm. excited about it. Oh, so I'm actually going to – you're actually interested in me doing that? I want you to do it. Of course I do. Okay. Of course I do. Well, that's yeah. – I guess we can talk about it. Oh, wait, hang on. What is that? Oh, no. But that was your ringer? Yeah. Yes, dear. No, dear. Yes, dear. No, dear. Maybe, dear. No, dear. Yes, dear. No, dear. No, dear. No. Yes, dear. No, dear. Okay, dear. Oh, boy. What is it, replacement? Nice job, Steve. You blew it. What happened? Oh, well... I was about four weeks away, four weeks away from pulling a, a stepfather on, on my current family, mm -hmm. and I had opened my big mouth and let the leathers out of the bag. Mm -hmm. You were going to do what? Pull a stepfather? A st what does pull a stepfather mean? You haven't seen the stepfather? The movie? The yes. Step oh, I've seen the movie. Oh, the it's stepfather. so good. It's so good. Remember but, what happens? Yeah. Basically, what happens is um, Terry O'Quinn, the star of the movie. He plays this guy who's insane, mm -hmm. and he has he has a family that he you know that he is with, and he he kills them, and then he's he goes to the next family that he's already set up, mm -hmm. and and he he has a family life with them, and then it just goes on and on like that for you know for the whole. So you were saying you were planning on pull you you say I'm gonna pull a stepfather, yeah, yeah, which makes yeah. it sound a little tamer than what it actually is, which is. Oh no! I, I wasn't gonna ice my current wife. Sheila Larson, and our kids, Rieger and Habib. Mm -hmm. No. But I was going to vanish from their lives uh, oh. quicker than you've been reaching for that voice modulator all night. Hey, there's no voice modulator sure there back here. Bob, uh, we've, Bob, you've seen it, right? I, you know, I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, but. it's pretty obvious. There's, there's nothing here. You're switching it on and off. Just don't look, okay? All right. All right. None of your business. Yeah. Look, you're judging me, okay? Uh -huh. I don't like it. I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. There was only one who ever was. Okay. That seems to be another trend that's running through uh, a lot of conversations I have. People really hammer me and then pull a, pull a, uh, a, a religious quote when, when the... When the, the heat's on them. Right, right. Well, you know, it's true, though. Oh, but, I mean, I thought I was safe. And, I mean, how could I have imagined that my, my wife, Sheila Larson, would be tuning into this child CB radio show? That's mm -hmm. no, not. I got caught. I don't like it. Show. Well, look, I got to go. I got to turn the old charm on for those two uh, hags or else I'm sleeping in the old Steve-mobile tonight. Oh, that's charming. Hey, um, do they sell erotic chocolates at the, uh, at the quick stop? I don't think so. Ugh. What, what here can I bring them to uh, cause them to not be mad at me? Hmm. 
What's that green thing, that puppet? What is that? No, that's Vance. You can't take that. Okay, well, can you give me like 10 bucks? What about this? Oh, what is it? It's a, a Minions keyboard? Yeah, that'll do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Write you a letter tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Tonight. I can't hold up and someone's got a stamp that I can borrow. Okay, enough. I promise not to blow the address again. I can't wait. Hardly wait. All right. Lights that flash. He's going into another version. Through yeah, the e. No. No, don't start it. No, 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 no. Just mm -hmm. give him. Well, well, well. He's I, a whole new song. It's a different now. song. Just give him the keyboard. Down on all five. All right, Steve. It shows promise, Steve, yeah. but keep working out. Get me Replacement out of Steve. this stinking fresh air. Get out. How young are you? Okay, go. How old am I? Oh. It's making me question the whole yes. last eight years in I've spent. The rain dancing in the night. Yeah, that's what you spent the last eight years working on. I know. I, I'm. I think I blacked out after he told me he had that wimple tattoo. So yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Best Show Best, and I want to thank Martin DeGrell for supervising the episodes of Best Show Best, and of course. Much thanks to Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Martine Sellis, Brendan McDonald, AP Mike, and of course John Worcester, uh, who else, uh, uh, Marsha Newmeyer, and uh, yeah, you, the best show listener, thank you. And if you like this, check out the full show every Tuesday night from 9pm to midnight at thebestshow.net and support the best show, patreon.com slash thebestshow. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye.